0: Hey, Haley. Yeah, Alyssa? Are you ready to change the narrative around women's sports? Let's do it. You are listening to Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadesky, and this is the Iron Women Podcast, a production from Live Feisty Media. Haley and Alyssa are longtime professional
1: triathletes and coaches. Between them, they have completed more than 50 iron distance races and just as many 70.3s. Their accomplished careers include nine professional wins and one fastest known time.
0: Haley, do I have to tell the listeners how many of those wins are mine?
1: Nah, we'll keep
0: that between us.
1: The Iron Women Podcast has a Patreon community which helps support our podcast. If you love the podcast, check us out at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And don't forget to tell a friend. Now, let's get to the show.
0: Iron Women is proud to be supported by Form Goggles in 2020. Form Goggles are the only swim goggles with a smart display that delivers metrics like split times, distance, pace, and more. And it's built right into the goggle lens.
1: You can also analyze your metrics outside of the pool with the Form Swim app. Because what triathlete doesn't love data? Head to FormSwim.com to learn more about the Form Swim Goggles and pick up the missing link to your swim bag.
0: Haley, it only took a global pandemic for me to realize how much I truly appreciated swimming and to make open water swimming something I am actually eager to do. Then you'll be super excited
1: for our new 2020 partnership with Orca Wetsuits. Alyssa, you and our listeners can get 15% off at orca.com with the code ironwoman
0: 15 This is meant to be. My first wetsuit I raced in was an Orca wetsuit actually, so I already know I like them.
1: I've been trying out their swim-run wetsuit. Soon I'll have no excuse not to race one of those events. Thanks to Orca for getting us set up to
0: tackle all the open water swim action. Don't forget, that's code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Hi Haley, how are you this week?
1: Hi Alyssa, I'm doing alright. I'm doing what I can to stay out of some of the haze and smoke we have here in Bozeman. Unfortunately, some of those... California and Oregon wildfire smoke I think has blown into Montana and so it's a little bit little smoky here but not nearly as as terrible as the the pictures you actually see coming out of Oregon and California. Yeah,
0: I would say Ramona's not pleased about the fires either, but um it's been really a tough week to see all of those news and to see, you know, the, the posting from obviously we have a lot of West coast based friends, um, who are there. And I actually have a couple athletes right in Portland too. And I was getting the screenshots of the air IQ app. I think it is. That's like, tells you the, um, air quality all over the world and seeing Portland at the top of the list for the worst air in the world, you know, and they were like, I don't think it's a good idea to be exercising outside today. And no it it definitely wasn't so you know figuring all of that out and making sure you know they're okay and and getting through it okay and then also just going down that rabbit hole of thinking like for them this is a temporary thing and then you know looking at some of those other cities and realizing that they're on the list all the time and it's just one of those things that hits you definitely like you know a a ton of bricks kind of thing i think at once when you're looking at that sort of thing and it's just, it's sad. I don't know how else to say it. Air quality is very important to
1: us as athletes to if we want to be outside having some bike run adventures. But um, we, we, yeah, our hearts do go out to everyone who's affected by the wildfires. And this is a major segue, but Alyssa, I had a, a funny story for you because a few weeks ago you were talking about doing some literature drops and kind of not really canvassing but like dropping off voter voting voting materials for voter information to voters in your neighborhood and one of the things we talked about was calling making campaign calls and does that still happen in a time when our phones will come up as potential spam and we can screen calls so easily and i was walking cowboy the other day and i got a call from my like immediate like i live in a condo like my immediate neighbor like shared wall neighbor And my first thought was like, oh, no, what did I do? Like, because I figured I must have left my door open or something or, you know, I'd done something terrible.
0: The keys in the door. I always do the keys in the door. Leave the keys in the door.
1: (laughs) I know. Like, I figured I must have done something. So I answered and because her name came up on my caller ID and she was actually working like for a campaign and it was very interesting. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what Alyssa was talking about. We're like, what if you have to call your neighbor? And it happened But to she me.
0: knew, she had your name. Like she knew she was calling you, yes, right? Yes, she knew. She's okay. like, you were just on my list.
1: And so it was like her first day doing it too. And I was like... I wonder if she was like nervous. Like, what if I was like, I mean, she, she, I think she had a script to read and it was like, a lot of it was about, do I have a plan for voting? And which I do. So they were pretty easy questions, but, um, I wonder if that could go a different way, but I guess if you're, if you are in that position, hopefully your convictions are enough that you are like, you're prepared for any answer. Right. And also I think you've said you've you've worked with people who didn't know about voting. And so you are actually like giving them a valuable information that we think everyone knows this if you're like really plugged into it, but it's some people don't.
0: Totally. And usually if you are doing the calling or the texting or the, the literature drops, which I did, which was door to door, they're not sending you randomly out into the world. Typically they're sending you to homes of people who are registered voters for the party that you're... Um, you know like working for at that point so or like calling on behalf of and things like that so typically you know I think the like level of resistance you you would get um you know it's it's certainly possible but I think for the most part a lot of that is mitigated by that simple step right and but you know I'm sure that lists get mixed up a little bit and like Sure enough, people fall through the cracks and and things like that. But I actually, you know, I don't think we we talked about it, but I had a, a good experience of the literature drop. Um, it was a little nerve wracking because some of the homes like you're just supposed to go up and put the the little flyer. You like roll it up and stick it in their door somehow. Like you just had to kind of assess what the door was like and how you could make it stay and. So sometimes people are like right there at the window and you're like walking up to the door, but then you never knock, you know, and then you walk away. So I had a couple times where people like opened the door and was like, can I help you? And then, you know, I just turned around and explained that I was just dropping off some voter information and have a nice day. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were all really nice. And one woman actually did start like more of a conversation and she's actually signed up to be an election, like a poll official kind of and things like that. And she was talking about how it's her daughter's first time voting. For this election and all of that so it was you know positive for me for sure but i can imagine that there can be some negative experiences and i bet your neighbor was actually grateful to know you and to know that like it was a good probably was a good practice call too if it was just in the beginning you know if it was alphabetical Chura would be at the the top of the list so maybe she like skipped and called you first for a practice one just to warm her up
1: Yes, and after I got off over my initial shock, making sure I hadn't like flooded her apartment, um, it was, I was like, oh, I can definitely answer these questions. But her last question was if I wanted to help. And I did say yes. And so I have not received any roles, but maybe I'll be out there doing literature drops or whatever with you. Well, not with you, obviously, on the other side of the country, but in solidarity with you in the coming weeks and months.
0: My next sign up, Haley, is to be... um an observer. I'm signed up to be an observer at the early voting locations for a couple of days in October and then on election day. And so it's actually really funny like the email I got wasn't very descriptive. So I I don't have the training material yet and I don't really know what that means. I I believe you're just supposed to be either you're not like someone at the tent who gives like the sample ballots or anything. You're literally an observer either inside or outside. And I think you literally are supposed to just observe and make sure nothing no one's being coerced or like anything no machines look like they're getting, you know, kind of, um, you know, misused or tampered. That's the word. Yeah. Nothing's like going on weird. But one of the things in that email was like, the shifts are very long and like some of them, you don't have bathroom access for like various reasons. And so I already was like panicking a little on the inside about like not being, you know, the, the hydration factor while I was doing some of those shifts because some of them are like, really long so I don't know I might have to train for the observing role but I I said I was in it so I'll keep you guys posted as as I get more information on that you're gonna have your like
1: your noon instant
0: on standby for right
1: when you get off your shift to like immediately rehydrate
0: (laughs) it's good I mean little did we know that that's gonna be one of the yeah the ways I use it this year but um anything for for a good safe election
1: and Alyssa, I needed to get an update on your athlete and my co-host, my guest co-host from a few weeks ago, Megan Jensen. I hear she just finished her two weeks in the Adirondacks. She was doing the a similar route to you, or not similar route, but similar objective over a little bit longer period of time. How did
0: she do? Yes. So if you haven't listened to that very special episode, it was... Um, I'll, I'm i a little biased, I guess, but it was a great one. So go back and check that out, where Megan came on and was Haley's guest co-host, and sh- Megan and I, uh, I coach Megan, and her goal for the last year has been to also climb the 46 high peaks in the Adirondacks, and she has done Ironman, she's done some, you know, crazy endurance things. So she kind of took a look at this and was like, I, you know, can I do this in two weeks? And I had said, of course you can do this in two weeks. Let's do it. So. We, um, have been working together for the last year and to make this happen. And Haley, she, I got the like live video stream of her on top of Whiteface um, on Saturday and, oh, it made me cry. It was so like, she just looked, she looked so fresh and she looked like she could just do it all again, which was really, really incredible to see. And so for a difference in perspective, like when I did it, my route was about 160 miles. And so because Megan was doing it over two weeks and staying, you know at a rental house and being able to go um, back and have a night of sleep and um, some nights longer than others depending on the hiking and everything her route for those two weeks she actually hiked 240 miles over the two weeks wow. and you know with the 70,000 feet of elevation gain and then and all told her average day of hiking was 11 and a half hours so wow it's I mean no small feat to take that on in two weeks like this was a big big adventure and she just nailed it so it was super cool to um you know get to kind of watch she had my my tracker there too my like garment tracker so I was following that all the time and um to get to see that live stream of her on white face and then eating the grilled cheese as she walked down afterwards like I was just it was really very exciting so wanted to say congratulations Megan we are super super pumped for you How do you get a grilled cheese
1: on top of a mountain? Did someone make it for her or is there like a store?
0: So Whiteface is the only one you can actually drive to as well. And so it's like a ski resort. So they have a lot of things kind of up at the top. But you have to hike up and hike down with like the 46 er thing. But you show her mom and some friends did like drive up and kind of meet to celebrate on the last mountain.
1: Grilled cheese sounds like a great way to celebrate, but huge congratulations to Megan. I'm so, so thrilled for you. Thank you again for your help making that special episode a few weeks ago. And Alyssa, this is, a, this is a pretty unique, I feel like it's a unique situation to have athlete and coach doing these incredible things
0: so close together in a very,
1: very unusual year. So congratulations to you as well.
0: Thank you, Haley. And I do have to say, I know you talked about Noon Instant earlier, but... Um, our listeners always get 30% off of noon products at noonlife.com with the code livefeisty, one word, but capital L and capital F. And I had one of the, 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 parting things I had given Megan, um, in the, for the Adirondacks like project is noon rest. So I know that some of her and her crew, her hiking partners were using noon rest in between those 11 and a half hour hiking days and they were a fan. So it was a good um, good testing zone, you know, to be able to really put that to the test and something I believe in. So if you want to try out Noon Rest, you can get it 30% off at noonlife.com.
1: It's good to know that it works like that because when you are going day in, day out like that, I imagine your recovery in between sessions is so key to keep yourself going for two weeks. I mean, that's a long period of time to be on. So Congratulations again to Megan. Glad the noon rest worked for you. And I might need to head, head to noonlife.com and put that in my shopping cart. I mean, I don't have anything as big as that, but I feel like my general days are are hard enough that I deserve some good rest. <laughs> I I support that Being 100% Being human on Haley. earth these days means you qualify
0: for noon rest. <laughs> True, true story. Um, one thing we haven't heard a lot of, we haven't been getting stressed at all because of the mailbag, because we haven't been getting mailbag mail, you guys. So if you want to send us your questions, um, you can do that at ironwomenpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com. Send us your questions. I know, you know, we were talking about it. And we realized a lot of these questions come in because with training and racing and um, you know looking for advice that pertains to those things but um, we know people are still out there training for anything so uh, it doesn't have to be like a race related question or anything it can be training or more life or sport or really anything that you would wish to ask us iron podcast at gmail.com and Alyssa we have a great interview this
1: week I think people are really going to enter- enjoy this very very entertaining interview can you tell us who we're talking to
0: Yes. So Haley, we are talking to Simone Mayer, and she is a German triathlete living in New Zealand. So I know when we talked about it, Haley was super excited to to talk to Simone because we wanted to hear how the German accent kind of melds with the, the Kiwi lingo. So you get to hear a bit of that. But. Um, Simone and I first met years ago when I first started going to New Zealand to race challenge Wanaka. She has been a fixture on the Ironman circuit for many years now. Um, but she also is really well known for doing some adventure racing. She in 2019 won the coast to coast multi-sport world championship, which is a huge, huge accomplishment. She's also won the Godzone adventure race. She has won, uh, numerous Red Bull defiances. She has raced in China a lot and tells us about that. She's also been third at Ironman Philippines. So her race resume is super full and she has a lot of really fun stories from all of the racing and training that she's done all over with this stuff. And so we are super, super excited to talk to Simone after a word from our sponsors.
1: Triathlon is certainly hard on your skin without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist, PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to
0: triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chammy Cream.
1: Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelio's products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike,
0: run fun. Hi, Simone. Thanks for joining us on the Iron Women podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So we're really excited to talk to you, especially to talk to someone like not in the U.S. to get a different perspective on things. And first off, we want to start by kind of asking about the pandemic. So in the U.S., we are still a long way, it seems, from returning back to racing as normal. But we are watching... Kind of the world around us, as it seems like some senses of normalcy are happening. New Zealand was definitely leading the world and setting an example for how you handled the pandemic over there. Um, So, tell us how life is there right now. Is there a racing scene happening at all? What's going on?
2: Yeah, um, I guess life has changed a little bit. Yeah, for me or for everybody. Um, I think as a nation, we we've done really well with you know, with the COVID situation. Um, As far as racing, there's not much happening, (laughs) unfortunately. We have some events, but um, uh, like now, there was supposed to be a race like tomorrow, but it's been postponed because we had a few more cases. So now we're currently sitting in level two, and I guess it's a government restrictions that you can't have more than 100 people, you know, and the the distance in between. So um, it's been postponed till next week. So we have two different islands. I'm on the South Island and on the North, you know, we had COVID cases on the North Island and they are sitting at right now at the, I think, at level 2.5 <laughs> and we are at two. But again, I think you have to be in level one for all the events to to take place um, and just waiting for an update on Monday, I think, if we are going into level one or not. So, yeah, and then I think we, have a, we had a few running events. They went ahead, but it was more like um, – kind of really low key and more a virtual, you know, you could do your run, but it's not as a, such as a group thing. Yeah.
1: So even with no cases on the South Island, there's still pretty much nothing or not much happening.
2: Yeah, well, funny enough saying that <laughs> we we um, on the South Island, we have two ski or more than two, like three ski resorts and they're all operating. So, which is uh, that's what i find a bit weird like you know we can't have an event which a few hundred people but we've got open up the ski resort but i think that's a government thing again to help out the tourist industry you know you know to keep certain things going and because we haven't had any cases down here at this you know so far (laughs) touchwood so yeah it's been been pretty good like they've done a great job but it annoys me personally that i can't have you know, I, you know, I'm so limited, uh, lim- limited with the, with the event like the peak to peak that's coming up hopefully next week. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So hopefully if
1: you get down to level one, you'll be able to race next week
2: yeah which is just a, it's a really local it's a really fun local event <laughs> which I it's quite funny I haven't been able to do in the last probably five years because usually this time I would be racing overseas but now because I'm here and I'm kind of you know I can't go anywhere <laughs> it's 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 quite cool to be back and to be able to race that yeah so uh, a local event are some so of the other like, pros I know yeah.
0: like you know where you are in in Wanaka is you know yeah. a- a place where there's quite a few pros and elite level athletes there. Is everyone
2: jumping into that race? Do you, are you going to have like pretty good competition
0: um, at the local event level?
2: Yeah, if it goes ahead, I think, yeah, the male, the male event looks pretty good. <laughs> like Dougal will be doing it. I'm not sure about Braden and I don't think Sam Clark will come down just for such a, you know, like it's a little tiny race. We talk about two and a half hours. <laughs>
0: if, just a short one. Just, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. But it's it's a really cool uh, um, event because it goes from one ski resort up to the other ski resort. We race from the Remarkables up to the top of Corner Peak, and you you ski and you mountain bike and you kayak, uh, you run and you road bike up to the the other peak. So it's it's quite a neat little format, yeah. And uh, like usually the whole town and everybody just gets involved. It's it's a cool event, yeah.
0: Well, hopefully the guys are in it, and I think you can give Dougal Allen and Breed and Curry a run for their money too. So give it your best yeah. shot for sure we'll keep our fingers crossed for you that level one happens yeah i'm like
2: oh it would be so nice
1: <laughs> simone right now here in the u.s we we kind of have eco challenge fever it just aired on amazon prime so we, i think a lot of people are getting more interested in adventure races which is something you have a, a like a long history with so I, I'm curious, did you ever apply to g- be part of the Eco Challenge, the Eco Challenge Fiji that just happened or any of the others in the past?
2: Well, well, yeah, um, yeah, we sort of got a similar thing here. We got sort of, I think New Zealand have a bit of Eco Challenge fever too. <laughs> um Back in the days when we had the Ego Challenge, I think we talk about 15 years ago, I wasn't actually into, I haven't done any adventure racing, it just came up probably the last, when I came over here to New Zealand, that was 13 years ago. Um, but I heard about it and I was like and but at the time I heard about it it was kind of dying off or you know it wasn't happening anymore. And I was like shit if oh sorry. <laughs> Maybe put a beep in the high swearing. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you can swear. You're good. Um, it would be pretty epic to be able, you know, to to do this eco like the the eco challenge one day if it's ever gonna come back. Um yeah, and then, well, it got announced last year and it was a bit hard because I knew I will be racing, I got already committed to a team to race in China, my my China series. Um, but yeah, we did. I yeah, well, I would have been like we. I was pretty keen to also do the Eco Challenge because I was on this side. It was in Fiji, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I can do the China event, and then I go straight over to Fiji and do the Eco <laughs> Challenge." <laughs> would have been epic and quite a crazy amount of you know racing in a in a very short time. But oh, we only live once. <laughs> but um, we we didn't get accepted, you know, when they. um I don't know how they pick out teams, but yeah, we put in a team. But I have to admit, we were a bit late. So we were like after the cutoff and we just thought, oh, there's no German team. We should put in a German team. You know what I mean? And we did get a little hunt from a friend that we should try it out, you know, just even be late entry, but just give it a go. And then, yeah, nah, didn't happen. But yeah, I got really excited. Like, "Ah." (laughs) it would be so epic. (laughs) Did you apply
1: for 2021? The one in Patagonia?
2: yeah we did <laughs> and it's so funny because we call ourselves the german unicorns <laughs> <laughs> it is quite funny even though we haven't been living there or oh, it's three germans and one kiwi so far and um yeah i i thought it would be quite unique like i watched of course i watched all the episodes um yeah, um, yeah, it was pretty cool because I had a quite a few friends racing from, New Ze- you know, the New Zealand team. They are good friends of ours. And another, like Tiki Tour, they are good friends of ours. And other people we just know from racing. So it was quite unique to see them, you know, on, um, on the Eco Challenge um, Series. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we did apply. <laughs> I mean, the same people. <laughs>
0: And so, Simone, you have, you know, now been doing adventure racing for several years, and you've also been balancing quite a bit of iron distance racing. You're you often are going, you know, I've met you at Challenge Wanaka. You've raced Ironman uh, Philippines, like all over. And so I've done this for several years, balancing both iron distance and adventure racing. So if, you know, someone's out there kind of looking at, you know, with Eco Challenge Fever, wanting to get into both. Can you tell us a little bit about how you approach your season of racing when you want to do an adventure race or two and do an Ironman or two?
2: Yeah, it's, um, I think it's kind of, for me, uh, a bit, I wouldn't say simple, but, um, I just have this approach. I just take what I can. <laughs> it's probably not the ideal, um, but it's not that I... I probably look at the season and usually it's like I spent the summer here and I race here in New Zealand and then I go in April, May overseas and then I come back and then I target again um, August, September overseas. And it really depends on whatever races on the horizon and whatever I want to do, I just basically do it. And if it's an Ironman... Or stage or multi-sport race in China or an adventure race, I just see how far they're apart and you know if it's sort of logistical doable and yeah yeah does it make sense? (laughs) And I know so um so here comes probably the um, the downside is that's what my coach said like ages ago and it's like you know you you need to come to terms that you can do this all but you're never gonna be your best you know what I mean like you will never be the best greatest triathlete whatever if you keep doing your adventure race and all this stuff and the same the other way around but then or maybe not the same the other way around but probably more from a triathlete perspective because it's just like an adventure race is long and you do long mileage and you know it's that sort of stuff, and uh, triathlon is very sort of specific and you do a lot of repetition, you know, you cycle, you run, you bike, <laughs> uh, You sorry, so you swim, bike, run, <laughs> and it's the same thing, which is racing, is like, God, you do all random stuff, <laughs> um, and it took me a while, and I just decided, okay, that's me, That's that, I'm happy with just have a little bit of, you know, a piece of cake from this cake and that cake, <laughs> and yeah. And I lowered my expectation. Okay, I won't be, I will never be Iron Ironman like a co now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a big, big dream, big step. But I'm just like, okay, I'm happy with just being part.
1: <laughs> Simone, what about training? What about training when when you're training for? Like you say, adventure races have a lot of random events. Do you structure your training so it's adventure racing training, Ironman training, or are you like sometimes doing a long ride? doing a quick brick run and then going out for like a paddle as active recovery.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I don't know, but I tell you how I got away with these things so far. (laughs) I probably always trained more as a triathlete, to be honest. I've done, you know, I would do an Ironman. Was it in the Benton Islands? I did an Ironman and basically, the day after i flew over to china and raised the four-day stage race <laughs> um and i literally i only trained for my iron man um it's not ideal especially if you're in a team situation because i didn't focusing on my pedaling as much maybe i threw in three pedals a week maybe the max but i think my swimming did help me a bit with the crossover if that makes sense like um yeah, even I wasn't a good peddler, but it it didn't matter so much because the boats are shit, and usually in a in a double, and you've got you know a guy. Not that I rely on the guy, but I I was physically strong, and of course you know powerful. But um, yeah, it's probably ideally for the future what I would recommend for other people. You probably work ideally. You should work on your skills. You know what I mean, like um how to pedal a, a boat without a rudder, and that you've you know you know skills like navigation and all this stuff. Um you know you don't have to train heaps amount but you just add this into your weekly you know every now and then yeah yeah but the main focus or the main training was always like a, as a triathlete yeah
0: so you mentioned that you work with a coach and I imagine it could be kind of difficult to find a coach who could help you balance you know if you're like actually I want to go for a paddling too and actually I need to like spend some time, I don't know, practicing my rappelling or something like that. So, you know, do they, is that something you kind of control when you look at your training plan and fitting those like random things in, or, you know, does your coach have a background in adventure racing as well to help you structure that?
2: Um, yeah, back in, not back in the days, but a few years ago, I had a few different coaches (laughs) all at once. Um, Or just like throughout all at once or like, (laughs) I wasn't sure if you
0: pulled from a paddling coach and then you had your like swim coach. And I was like, that would get really difficult.
2: It would be very difficult. No, the last few years, like I've been on and off, like at the moment, I don't have a coach, um, because of, I don't know. Um, last year I had a coach and the year before, like I had, um, I had two women coaches and I, I had them for the for the longest over a time of period and that suited me really well and they were quite, um, I'd say, flexible. And then I had two male coaches just in the last two and a half, three years, I'd say. But I figured out I work probably better with a female coach. She could relate a lot better to me. As I'm a woman, it was easier for me to talk if I feel good or bad, you know, these sort of things. Um, and that's probably a bit of I don't know. I think that's an area I miss high-performance women coaches in this, this this sport in general. It's like, um, yeah, but that's just me, a, per- a personal thing. I'm, I'm, you know. But when I had a coach, uh, all of them they were pretty, I'd say, flexible. I even my first ever coach I had um, 13 or oh, 12 years ago. Even I used to go. I lo- <laughs> maybe go off the topic here, but I, I love parties. So she would schedule in at a Saturday night. Simone is out partying. <laughs> <laughs> and then I need a recovery. You know, I take a day easy or two days easy. And usually the whole week after was quite a, quite an easy week because it does take a, a bit longer to recover when you go all night. <laughs> but it was great. And I needed to tell her story. I'm going to just, you know, that's a random thing, but she did schedule in. Okay. She's out at a party and we have to consider that hell she won't be as bouncy on Monday. You know what I mean? <laughs> this sounds like a great
1: coach, like just coaching you as a whole human with like different, you know, it's not just some bike run paddle sale. Um, it's, it, there's more to you than that. Simone, if you, Like we I mean, we're learning a lot about adventure racing and we're all watching the Eco Challenge and we see these teams and some of them are made up of people who who kind of balance each other out. They bring each brings a different strength to the team. You already said that. You described yourself as a strong person. So what like what do you think is your strength that you bring to a team? Are you also really good at navigation or are you really good on the mountain bike? Or is there, you know, other specific things that you're great at? Maybe you're great at the after the post
2: the post race party? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm always good at that. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm just kidding. Most times I'm actually quite tired. <laughs> Depends really <laughs> in what mood you are. But um, as part as a uh, in a team situation, I think I'm consider myself as a pretty good team player. Um, I think I'm quite easygoing, like, and I, um, I obviously have, I, I don't know, it sounds horrible. <laughs> I, I would say I'm a strong person, so I could probably take a lot more weight than, you know, and pull a lot more things than than other other girls, you know, do I also think I've got a pretty good eye for the team dynamics if that makes sense, you know when it's not all about strength and how good you are, but how you get on as a team and I feel like sometimes I sense when there are some I don't know tensions yeah, some tensions and i I feel like I'm the one that that sorts out you know looks at the whole, how we work as a team and make sure if something is happening, you know if something doesn't work or there's some tension that we We're going to sort this out, you know, that that the team is running smoothly again. It's like having a bike that needs some oil, if that makes sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had, like, has there ever been just, like, a big, like, meltdown on the team? I mean, I'm sure there has been. You've done enough. I mean, some of these are so many days long, but I'm
2: just curious. or like, Yeah, it was quite funny. I raced with a, I hope they don't mind saying this, but we're laughing about this now. But I raced with a Swedish team. We raced the European champs in, um... Where was it? In Spain. And we had one of these situations where we just acted like little kids, you know, the guys wouldn't help me anymore. And one guy had the conflict with the other guy and we were leading the race. We were obviously winning, but I said, you know, um, we need to sort this out because we still had another 20 hours to go and 20 hours can be a long way you know when you got somehow conflicts and um, they would just refuse to help me and I was like if you guys don't talk to each other and sort this out we probably lose this race so we had a little break (laughs) and we literally I was like mom telling them right you need to talk (laughs) you know like um, and we were all there and it was really good so we did sort it out and then after that you know we're like we had a bit of Shouting and da da da, and then we we moved on. But it was good to 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 talk about it and clarify why you know why. So it's it's probably not ideal. Some it depends in what situation you are. I think you have to make that call as you go because sometimes you can't just stop and pull your team to the to the side and say, look, we need to sort the shit out here. <laughs> um, it all depends. Sometimes you really have to just suck it up and you sort it out after the race. But we ha- I feel like we had the time and we we're we are in this position to be able to sort it out on the spot so we did and it was great you know and then we won so it was like yeah
0: it sounds (laughs) like one of your strengths might be communication and the ability to like help others communicate in in intense times and things like that which i imagine is is very valuable for any team in in adventure racing yeah but so if we're going to talk to our listeners and you know they're thinking about picking up adventure racing and coming from a triathlon background. So they know how to swim, they know how to, you know, road bike, and they know how to run on the roads. We'll just make those basic assumptions. Where do you think they can begin to focus efforts for getting into adventure racing? Like, you know, is it the off-road trekking? Is it the off-road cycling first? Like, where do you think you can kind
2: of get the most bang for your buck if you're gonna be valuable for a team? I think um, just skills. Um, if they work on their skills, like navigation skills, they're really essential. And of course, if they are newbie and they come into a team, no one will give them straight away the map and say, oh, I heard you have got navigation skills. Can you just <laughs> guide us around the course here? <laughs> but it's, I think it's really helpful for themselves. You know, And sometimes you've got a situation yeah, like I, I had many times in China where you have to divide your team. You know and everyone has to go and find a checkpoint, and it's like, "Oh my God, you know, <laughs> so it's good to have those skills and they are like here in new zealand it's um it's quite unique. they even start at school that they take them out row gaining and you know learn how to use a compass and how to read a map. I never had this back in Germany. I was like um i'm I'm still learning it now, and I really enjoy it and but it's it's just such an um, you know a really amazing skill to have, no matter how old you are and yeah, if you're into the outdoors or not, but it's just, I guess, like a life skill. And then um, usually with adventure racing, there's always some water and boats involved. So if you can, and it doesn't mean that you have to go out flat out now kayaking or, you know, be go climbing obsessively. If you go out with your mates every now and then, you know, every few weeks, you just go and practice on the ropes or Do some kayaking and learn some skills how to move in the water, how to use a peg raft, you know, how the water works. These little basic things I think you that can get you a long way. Yeah.
1: And Simone, in 2019, your team won the competitive and very famous adventure race, God Zone. And so for anyone who who isn't familiar, God Zone is an annual multi-day, nonstop expedition style adventure race that's held in New Zealand every year. The event is the largest expedition length adventure race in the world, and it's widely regarded as the best. So this was the first time that a team with equal members of men and women won the event. We've talked in the past to Dr. Abby Perkis and she's an adventure racer. And she explained to us that in the past, women were often seen as mandatory gear for the team. So you are showing that this this trend is changing. Was forming this team with two women, something that was done purposefully and meaningfully?
2: Yes, (laughs) I think it was Chris Fawn's idea. I think, well, he said he needed a new challenge. (laughs) Which was great and i mean i'm always up for a new challenge and emma so is emily like we are all really good friends and my partner the same so it was yeah it was um it was great like um so when he commit, like he he said like he wants something new and um so yeah that was that was sort of his idea and we just i thought it was great because my first ever adventure race was as a a neutral team like um, two guys and two girls and i had one of the best i would say one of the best weeks in my life it was like it's so epic to race with two girls and two guys and of course we didn't win but it was more we had the whole the goal for us was to complete the whole you know thing adventure racing and to see what it's about but i think just the dynamics having you know two the same genders it's it's pretty cool i i think adventure racing should go that way to be honest personally like having two of each you know did
1: you expect to win this time? It sounds like you did. It sounds like you were like, Yeah, we're gonna win.
2: Yeah, I don't wanna to sound too cocky, but we were pretty determined. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and it was exciting. <laughs> oh, it was just yeah, like um it was oh god. If you would know us <laughs> it was all random. Like we literally put in the entry ten days before the race because we finally got a sponsor for the um so, you know that pays the entry fee and um, but we did work on the whole thing so we we knew we we're gonna have two girls and two guys and I knew with you know having Chris he's probably well he's obviously one of the best navigators you know what I mean like um, I know even if we maybe not on a, on a map uh, on a on a piece of paper the strongest as you know two girls two guys but we probably go the the most direct line, <laughs> you know, the shortest way we kind of could go. And oh, I, I just, yeah, I think he's pretty amazing. And then we, we have a pretty good team. We have my partner who is obviously, he's done many adventure races. So he's a, like a pack horse and really strong and a, a great team player. And then my mm-hmm. my, my good friend, Emily Wilson, um, I know she's strong and capable and has lots of skills. And then I know myself, I was in a pretty good shape. Um, I I think we were pretty confident, but you never know. Of course you never know, but you know, we were all excited to, to do this together. Yeah.
0: Is it possible? I don't even know if you can really explain how it would be different, but how, you know, was it different to have another woman on the team with you rather than three other guys? Like, was the just atmosphere different? Was the communicating different? Like, can you really kind of put your finger on it?
2: I think for me personally, as a woman, it was probably absolutely fantastic and, I don't. Well, I can't talk for Emily, but for me, it's really cool when you got someone that's like you, like you are a woman, and we are, well, we are different to men. <laughs> and when you're out on the course, and sometimes you've got a, I don't know, a bad patch, or you know, it's hot, whatever. Um, it's really nice when you can just talk about it, like you have got someone that that really understands. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. And because with guys, it, it is a bit different, and usually. You, well, you're always in a race. You usually put your head down and you just go and you do what you have to do. But it was probably a few different dynamics as well. Like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I, lo- I love the team events because you share everything. You know, you got people there. If you're in a good mode or bad mode, if something happens, you share to share, uh, to share the excitement, the drama, you know.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I love it.
0: Simone, I've followed friends and yourself and you guys do adventure racing in China, like you've been saying, and I just feel like the races over there are so crazy. Like, I mean, eco challenge is crazy, but like China seems like it's like this different level of crazy because it, I mean, the word that comes to mind is almost like wacky. Like sometimes the, the challenges in the segments just seem wacky. So like I've seen pictures of you guys like walking on stilts or like pushing a team member in a weird wheelbarrow and like. I mean, what is... Can you tell us, like, some of these crazy legs that, like, does, does it even
2: surprise you anymore? No, it doesn't. Uh, like, Well, it at the beginning it did. I had no idea what I was in for. But it's kind of... It's quite a... I think it's quite special and unique. And they... In every... Basically, every race I've done over there, they throw in something. And I think it has something to do with their culture, if that makes sense. Like, uh, last year we we had to walk on these stilts, and I don't know if that, that suburb is famous for making stilts, could be. <laughs> but a few years ago, we had to, uh, we had to ride in between the racing, so you go really hard on your bike and running, da da da, and then you kind of stop, and you have to put on these over trousers, and you have to push a, a, a sled through the mud. But that was caught up, so that had something to do with that region. That's what they do for a living. They go on these mud slates to go out on the fishing nets to c- have a look, whatever it is. But it was really hard work, and it looked horrendous, and it was, wow. <laughs> and then another time, we had to jump off our bikes, and there was this little tiny brivo and we had to catch four fish in this little tiny pond thing. Yeah, with your just, hands? Yes, with our hands. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or... Another time we had to, or oh, last year was quite funny, or oh, it was two years ago. We had to string like sixty or eighty peppers on one string, and they all had to be tied up. Like, and um, you only had a certain amount of string, and where we while we were doing this, you know, and it was all counted, and the time keeps running. And the, the other thing is. It's not that we just race there for, well, of course it's fun and enjoyment, but it's also, we race there for a living, like there was a lot of money on the table, it was like we talk about 25,000 US dollars, and here we are tying these peppers onto a string, and in the meantime, this old guy next to us keeps throwing peppers on our plate, and we had no idea, and we were just wondering why our peppers not, you know, keep not getting any smaller. <laughs> So there, there was a lot of tension at that time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. But it also, when they have these um, events, uh, these acts happening during the event, it brings the whole town. Uh, you know, it's almost like for the town, we have these events running through, uh, through the town and it brings the local out and they're really supportive. And it's like, yeah, you almost feel like a tour de France. You know, you've got this whole home crowd. They're either booing for you or they're like, Wow! You know, <laughs> or they're laughing at you because you can't tie their pepper onto the string. You know, <laughs> but they're they're super nice well, people. Like I really, well, it's um, certainly- yeah, super friendly mm-hmm. people in China.
1: It certainly sounds like you're able to uh, embrace the culture while you're there and probably see different parts of China than if you just went as a tourist and went to the Great Wall and only saw you know what we normally see. So I think that's pretty neat, Simone. You are sponsored by a freeze dried nutrition, you've been freeze dried meal nutrition sponsor and nutrition is something that is important to you. You've been open about having battled anorexia and bulimia as a young woman. And so I imagine that, you know, when you're working with a nutrition sponsor, that nutrition part, is going to play a bigger role for you. So what brought you to Radix nutrition, this partnership?
2: Um, what, what brought me to Radix, um, the nutrition It's probably like, um, it's my friend's. They like Sam Clark, for example. (laughs) I I remember him coming over to China and he had these free striped meals. And I was like, wow, what is this? You know, and as athletes, you're always on the hunt. You always look what your teammates or your competition has and eats and drinks, you know? So it's like, oh, what is that? (laughs) So he was probably the one that made me aware the earliest. And then my other friend, like my teammate Emily Wilson, she was sponsored by these guys. And then just, I guess, um, on events, yeah. And they, they, they're they really big in the outdoors, like they sponsor the New Zealand Alpine Club. So they're really, you know, uh, into expedition range and, yeah, just people are out doing adventures. Yeah, that was the connection. And then for me as myself, yeah, with my background, having some um, quite, you know, extreme eating uh, disorder difficulties. <laughs> um yeah, I probably learned, I came a long way, I have to say, and for me, um, it's really important to to make sure I get, you know, really good nutrition into my body, like, I've, I'm a big believer in you are what you eat, so if I eat crap, I, I will, not that I turn into crap, but you know, <laughs> um, I obviously don't give myself the right nutrition I need to perform well, if that makes sense, so yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I. Um, nutrition plays a big role in, I guess, even my overall my overall well-being. Yeah, I think it has a lot of effects, like um, even in your daily mood, you know what I mean? Like, yeah.
1: So freeze-dried meals, can you tell us, do you have a favorite? And would you eat it in everyday life, or is this just for
2: racing? I do have some favorites. Um, what is it called? It's called, I think, it's an expedition range, and it's... Um, The salmon with lemon and garlic it's absolutely my my top pick at the moment but they have an amazing range of lots of uh, vegetarian meals um one is i think um a chicken chickpea curry curry with avocado that's pretty good um and yeah so to answer your question yes i actually eat them a lot in my daily life because um i'm quite an active person if it's training or not um like, this week has been really busy with lots of different work. I do lots of different jobs. Um, at the moment, just random because I'm random. But anyway, <laughs> and then I'm always kind of on the go. And as I said, sometimes I'm just, I don't have that time to make a, a really good meal. But I, I just basically, you know, put on the jug, have some hot water, and pour it into my free-stripe meal. And I've got an amazing, like, gourmet, I don't know, five-star lunch or dinner. <laughs> and it's really tasty, and it's um, mostly organic, and if it's meat, um, it's, um, it's not sure if it's oily, or, um, it's probably, uh, what is it? Free range, free, free range meat, yeah. But they're really good with their nutrition, even, you know, the calories, because when you go on expedition, you want something that is, rather than having a lot of carbs, you want something that has a lot more fat and protein, um, to keep you going, yeah, that is amazing you should go look uh, you should look them up. <laughs> like, I was going to say,
0: do you know if they do they ship worldwide? do you know
2: uh, yes, I think so, yes, okay, yeah,
0: well, I think yeah. it I mean it definitely sounds nice even if for just like traveling like you said to like have something quick and easy that's an actual meal right that we can yeah. trust and have kind of quickly sounds yeah sounds really and helpful
2: it, and it's not just meals they also have breakfast right a breakfast range which you can use i sometimes even have it for like a pudding in the afternoon or in the evening it's like oh i just have a little breakfast thing as a as a dessert <laughs> because it's just it's really good like yeah it's really tasty and as i said like a the nutrition density it's 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 actually mind-blowing and they have, have I don't think that if they have any preservatives in it there are no numbers if that makes sense you know and that's really hard to get these days like usually they're sugared up to the eyeballs or yeah but it's 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 pretty good yeah highly recommend them Redix Nutrition
0: <laughs> and Simone many of our listeners are going to be familiar with New Zealand as a racing destination because of Challenge Wanaka or Ironman New Zealand but Maybe are less familiar with a very well-known adventure race over there that takes place on the South Island of New Zealand called Coast to Coast. You have actually won this epic race, and it's run from the west coast to the east coast of the South Island. Features running, cycling, and kayaking elements over a total of, we'll say, 151 miles. Since I think most of our listeners are, are miles, but it is 243 kilometers. I have gotten the feeling that Coast to Coast, when I've been over there, it seems like it has like a point of pride for the kiwis and so you might not be born and raised kiwi since you were german but after living in new zealand for over a decade what did that win in 2019 kind of mean to you
2: yeah oh it was pretty big it was probably the biggest achievement i've done so far by myself (laughs) yeah no i was i was yeah pretty happy yeah i think yeah i was yeah, it's like, well, from the where you know, if you look at where I came from to, you know, at some point calling myself, oh, I wanted a world champion title. That's, you know, <laughs> and with my background, with like uh, the struggles I had and, you know, and got told you can't be an athlete, blah, 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 to, wow, I actually, you know, done it. You know, it was, um, yeah, I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then again, I don't know, it lasts for a little while and then reality Catched up with you (laughs) if that makes sense I mean it's a great achievement but I think for me it's probably um I think if people hopefully like me for the, the the person who I am rather than if I just always you know if they like me only because I win things um that that's not my approach I think I hope they like me for my bubbliness, bounciness, and I don't know, my craziness. And um, yeah, the person who I am, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And so Mm. you
0: you did go back in 2020 this year um, and we're not quite sure what happened. I don't know if you can tell us about that race. (laughs) And also, if you are looking, you know, have they mentioned what will happen for
2: 2021? Is it something that's still on your radar? Yes, at this stage. Um, it's going ahead at this point, but um, and I, I, well, oh sorry. To answer your question first, um, yeah, this year I had a not a good race. I DNF'd. I pulled out because of hypothermia. Um, yeah, that was. Yeah, I guess there's a lot more to the whole. the whole scenario than just the DNF but yeah it didn't go the way I wanted so you know it was a pretty bad experience but that's life and I probably to be honest I probably learn a lot more from what happened there than if you just keep on winning even if it it hurts you sometimes like the pain is horrible (laughs) and to digest like usually I do not like DNFs (laughs) at all Um, but it was also a safety issue like a health and safety issue so I really Um, The best call for me was to to pull out and look after myself um, rather than causing more trouble. Um, So, yeah, because of that, I'm very determined to go back to do some finish off my unfinished business. Um, It is going ahead at this point, but um, I also heard that they might need to come up. Not that they might need to come up. I think they are somehow negotiating what are what they can do, you know, even with level two, because that's they have quite a, a big number there. Like it's not just a few hundred. We're talking about thousands of people doing the coast. You know, as a team environment as well. Like it's it's not just an individual race. It's it's gone it's expanded now as a tandem. You can even do a relay. So yeah. So I hope they come up with a nice plan. <laughs> So maybe you could start off in waves, like I don't know how they do to the Tour de France, but I've seen some triathlons in Europe. They, they, they started going into you know waves. Um, I wouldn't mind that.
1: <laughs> so if if hopefully fingers crossed for February 2021 is when you mentioned how you can these can be done as a relay or a tandem race. Do you think a coast to coast race like that is a good race for people with this eco challenge fever? To, to try before they jump into an 11 day
2: expedition race oh uh, yeah yeah I think it will definitely will definitely give them a bit more an idea of what uh, you know a long day can be like because we're not talking about eight or nine hours we talk about 12 or 11 for the fast guys you know it's 11 but if they're new to the sport it's not going to be likely that they're coming at 11 hours <laughs> but we talk about 15 to you know like 13 to 15, 16, 17, 18 hours. So I think it's a, it's, it's definitely a good um, introduction, I'd say, to, you know, and even to be on your feet for that long and um, to race, yeah. Yeah, I think you learn a lot. You learn a lot because it's also, it's not just a, a road running course. You're actually going over a mountain pass and it's not that there's a a, a track you run over. You're actually running over a riverbed. It's really hard to imagine if you, yeah, just imagine there's no track and there's just a riverbed and you have to run up the riverbed. <laughs> and just sometimes you see some markers and you weave in and out and and then the pedal is a 70k a uh, ripple paddle down the Wai river and um that's a beautiful beautiful stunning place to paddle 70k
0: paddle doesn't doesn't quite sound to me like maybe an introduction so we might still need to look into a relay situation or something like that but i see i see kind of the the plan there of at least it's not like sending you into the jungle for 5 days on end on your first shot
2: oh and then i guess you just You know, for them, it's more to complete the whole course rather than to race it. I think if you approach it that way, you dare to just to get the experience rather than I'm going to race this, if that makes sense. That's what I would do. I mean, that's what I learned from the Kiwis here. Like, um, I'm from Germany, and all I did back in the days was speed skating and, you know, triathlon. And if I would do a triathlon, I would start with a little sprint, and then I would, you know, Um, climb up the ladder with an Olympic and then I go to a half and then I might do an Ironman then I came over here and people just like oh I do challenge Monica next year and I was like have you ever done an Ironman they're like no and it's like okay (laughs) you know it's a it's almost a very different mentality I don't know but I think that's why they are so good even with adventure racing they're just like oh yeah 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 (laughs)
0: Simone, I couldn't help but notice on your Instagram that you just turned 40 this year and you're showing, there's a pretty good shot people can go look at um, of you at a party, actually, enjoying the party. And you're showing no signs of slowing down in life and sport. So, what is it that keeps you
2: motivated and excited for adventure all these years? I just, I just really think, I just, I think I just love it. I, I probably love my training more than I race and um, oh, no, I like it both. I do like my training, but I really just enjoy um, racing and training and I love the company. Um, if I could get paid for every kilometer I do, oh my God, <laughs> I wouldn't have to work. <laughs> but unfortunately, I haven't found that sponsor yet. <laughs> but, yeah, that's probably a bit of not a struggle, but it goes through my mind, especially now a lot that, oh God, I need to find something, you know, because I haven't got any events to go to and earn a living. It's like, I, I just go back to the jobs I have done. Like I'm back at the pool lifeguarding and I look after young men with a brain injury. And the other day I've been working on the vineyards and next week I help out at the swim school and yeah, but it's like, Oh, I just want something that's, that I feel like I, I could do in the long term, And I can, you know, it pays me money. Like, um, Yeah. I haven't found that yet. So I, I still kind of have hopes up maybe next year the borders will open. I can go back racing overseas.
1: (laughs) And we are all dreaming of the day when the travel restrictions are up and we have a COVID vaccine or better treatments and we can travel to races again. So this is probably a big question, but do you have like that first race that you would love to go to or somewhere that you just can't wait to travel to for a race?
2: <laughs> so yeah, it's quite funny. Um, I would probably target the race that has the pro- the most prize money.
1: <laughs> That's a good choice. It's a good choice.
0: It sounds like adventure racing has a good bit of prize money. So you might be headed to China as soon as like travel restrictions are up. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like
1: yeah. the winners of Eco Challenge got a hundred thousand. Is that what Eco Challenge the winners got?
2: Yes, yes, yeah.
1: That's not bad. Not a bad eleven days. <laughs>
2: yeah that would be nice but then the thing with eco challenge that's the only doubt you know they have to be selected Mm -hmm. if i go to china usually i they don't do selections you just enter you know you pay entry fee and (laughs) ta-da
0: well we definitely have our fingers crossed for you that the eco challenge selection could go your way this time around for the german unicorns we'll be Keeping our fingers crossed for sure that it would be you. Um, I think they need just some of some of Simone out there in Patagonia. And Simone, this has been super fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs> the Iron
1: Woman Podcast loves gooder sunglasses. They're made in recklessly fun colors and come in styles that actually look good.
0: My favorite is flamingos on a booze cruise. They have translucent pink frames and teal lenses that add a pop of color to all my workout clothes.
1: Gooder sunglasses are no slip, no bounce, and polarized. I raced in a pair of Gooders at the U.S. Olympic Marathon trials earlier this year.
0: Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing, nothing at all. Gooder sunglasses start at only $25 a pair, so no discounts are needed when they're already the most affordable performance shades on the planet go to gooder.com
1: forward slash feisty. That's G-O-O-D-R.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Check out the Live Feisty curated collection or pick up your own favorites. Look good, run Gooder. Alyssa, we asked Simone what she dreams of doing when travel restrictions are lifted And we can travel again if she has a race destination she really wants to do. And I was thinking about that for myself. And Wanaka and New Zealand is somewhere I've never been. It is on my bucket list. I need to make it there. So that's somewhere I'm dreaming of going in a post-COVID world. How about you?
0: Haley, I've found myself telling everyone that I really want to go race in South America. So I think I need to pick your brain on, like, the Brazil races and that you've done and, like, I don't know anything like that because I think that's been kind of it's definitely I mean I've never gone to race in South America so I think that's something I feel like I need to to get off my list Um, yeah so I think that's next oh I'll go back I'll go back even better sure
1: so maybe maybe I I mean there's like another place I want to go but let's um maybe we'll do iron women
0: live in South America (laughs) post COVID edition. And I mean, if you're coming with me, then I'm pretty sure I could convince myself to go to Wanaka with you. So maybe we can do iron women world tour. We, this is a fantastic idea. These are things that we need to be dreaming about right now, but,
1: um, Alyssa, it was great chatting with you. I hope you have a excellent week. And for all of our listeners, if you want to leave us a rating in iTunes or your app of choice, I think iTunes is the only app that really has ratings, but they do help, um, or send us some, send us an email in our mailbag, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Give us feedback, ask us questions. We really appreciate it. And thank you for listening.
0: All right, Haley. Have a great week. Bye, Alyssa. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadesky. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay
1: Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com.